Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Swatala, and I'm one of the co-hosts of Renar Voice, and my friend and co-host Jeff Mazzone is here. Jeff, how are you? Good morning, Robert. What's going on, bro? Not much. So um, I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I'm a little hurt. Here we go. This morning. By your, uh, not by, by what you think it is, but your inadequate actions. Wow, you're really. Yeah, I'm going at it this morning. Yikes. No mercy. Okay, here we go. I expected like like balloons. I expected maybe flowers. I expected food. I mean, this is a big day. This is a big day. And, and you didn't bring anything. Nor did I, but that's beside the point. Well, there's two things going on here. One of which you know, and the other one you don't know. Okay. The first is that today is the birthday, the one-year birthday of... Read our voice, right? right? That was, which that is was, which is why you're giving me a hard time. Yes, that is that is. But I, I, but I this other one. I've got another one for you. Ready? Uh, okay. Today is actually my birthday. Get out of here! For real. <laughs> so take that. All right. Then I really feel bad because I did not get you an anniversary present, nor did I get you a birthday present. That's really not necessary. Uh, gift giving is not my love language, so okay, you have to worry good, about that. Good. quality time. So we're you know well, we're together. <laughs> <laughs> Just glad it wasn't a couple of the other love languages. So that's good. <laughs> good to know. Well, no, man, we've been going for it. You know, we yeah, got thirty five hundred downloads, and we've got twenty eight episodes. You know, it's great. Yeah, um, but I went back in the records, and in November tenth, twenty twenty, was mm -hmm. our first episode went that's live. Right. That's right. So, so uh, even though so today is November tenth, but this episode will publish on November twenty ninth. So that'll be a little. But yes, today is the one year anniversary. Yeah. Um, so it's fitting that our topic today be on children and adolescents and teenagers. Yes. Uh, because we're celebrating, you know, birthdays, which is something that is really important, uh, especially for young people. So yeah, it just seems like a, a good topic to have today. Yeah. And we kind of tackled one of those big giant Goliaths last week or right. last episode with the, um, the couples counseling. Yes. And I think we're going to hit into another Goliath that us as new counselors tend to uh, shy away from. And that, as you mentioned, children, adolescents. Yes. Yep. And, and even, and we'll get into this too. Like there's seasoned professionals that just say like, yeah, I don't work with teenagers. So. Right. As having two teenagers right now in my house, I can understand their, their reasoning behind that. <laughs> Right. Well, hey Jeff, congratulations! Um, it's been a, it's been an absolute joy, an absolute journey with you, and and um, it's pretty cool that we we did last a year. We do have a great episode scheduled for today, so without further ado, Jeff, could you introduce our guest that we have? Yep, today we have uh, Dr. Rick Albright, uh, who has twenty years experience as a counselor and counselor educator, spending a number of years as a professional school counselor before securing his PhD in counselor education and supervision from Penn State University in 2011. He is a licensed professional counselor, nationally certified counselor, and a nationally certified school counselor. He has worked in private practice regularly over the past 15 years, where his specialization is counseling children and teenagers. He presents regularly at regional and national conferences on topics such as trauma-informed school counseling, supporting student-athletes, adventure-based counseling, grit, and school connectedness. He enjoys hiking, biking, camping, sports, and many other outdoor activities with his wife and four children. And also, Dr. Albright serves as the chapter faculty advisor for another one of the online CSI chapters, the Rho Eta Nu Gamma chapter, uh, 
uh, being that Dr. Albright is from or is living in Tennessee. So good morning, Dr. Albright. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys. So let's just launch right into it. If we can, I kind of mentioned this already, but what's the deal? (laughs) Why why are are even seasoned professionals, never mind like students, uh, so often seemingly avoiding working with adolescents, children, and teenagers? I mean, what's going on? Yeah, well, I think there might be a few things contributing to that. Uh, For one, I think that some counselors are more geared towards using logic and reason with their clients. Those, cl- th- those therapists are often much more comfortable with a verbal approach, which helps their clients consider the consequences of their cognitive and behavioral choices. I think some kids certainly do benefit from that kind of strategy, but many kids respond better to, to things like uh, incorporate movement and activity and artistic expression and play. And some counselors are simply not as comfortable with those type, kinds of strategies. I think another factor, maybe the counselors and therapists are sometimes hesitant to work with kids because of their perception of a generation gap. I think those generational differences can be intimidating to counselors who aren't used to interacting with or working with kids regularly. In fact, just this past Monday night, I was watching a video of one of my interns working with a teenage girl who was distraught because one of her so-called friends left her open. I think it was in Snapchat for eight hours. Can you even believe that? The counseling intern's response was fantastic. He showed humility by willing to, he was willing to switch the power differential in the session by asking the student to help him understand what left her open meant and invited her to explain what was going on and what she found to be so hurtful. And that 14-year-old girl enthusiastically taught the counseling intern what she meant, what she thought, how she felt, and all which really contributed to the session in so many ways. Now, one of the reasons that I really enjoy working with kids is because they're so malleable in comparison to adults. They're in the midst of such incredible natural growth and in the process of developing schemas to better understand themselves, their culture, their place in the world, and sometimes, and hopefully, how they're viewed and loved by God. For adults, change can feel difficult and unnatural. Adults often get very comfortable in their discomfort. And I think this is true to a much lesser degree for kids for whom change is normal. And they're often motivated to take action to make things better for themselves and others. So, Dr. Albright, again, thank you for being here uh, with us, uh, as mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff said. So let's start at maybe at the, the foundational level. And, you know, we know the importance of, of rapport building and how important that therapeutic alliance is in the counseling relationship. Can you just share what that looks like in the and probably even the the increased importance of that rapport and trust building with that population? And we know that kids kind of maybe have different different um, senses or can sense things, the insecurity, the un, the ungenuineness, the lack of empathy, maybe. So just kind of share with us kind of some of the, the, the ways that you're able to kind of build rapport with that that teenage children population. I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right on target. I think that uh, therapeutic alliance is king in any kind of counseling setting, to be sure, but maybe especially that's true with kids. And I think good counselors can start by talking with kids about what they like and about the kids' strengths. I think that's a far better kind of starter to a conversation than to jump right into their mistakes, their weaknesses, why they got in trouble uh, from a principal, from a parent, et cetera. Some counselors build rapport by shooting basketballs while they talk with kids or coloring mandalas while they talk. And some counselors use expressive techniques like sand chair, music therapy, or creating a worry doll with kids out of popsicle sticks and yarn. 
I think excellent youth counselors are adept at adjusting their approach to the age and the nature of the kid they're working with. And I think they do that by tapping into their natural creativity, curiosity, and compassion. You know, I think, especially with this topic, like I, I see all those memes about like the the youth minister, or the youth pastor who's trying really hard to connect with the kids and it's just over the top ridiculous because it's like uh -huh. not genuine. Yeah. And like, it, I, I get the sense that kids, well, I know this, I mean, they just pierce right through it. They get right to the heart and they, they know when you're being insincere or, or not authentic or, or just not genuine. I mean, how do you, how do you navigate that when you're really kind of stepping into their world? Like you mentioned with this intern, that, that humility piece, like, how do you enter into their world without really trying to fake it? Yeah, well, I think I think you just said it. I think it, humility. I think being being willing, right, to allow kids to teach you um, about their world, about their lived experience. I, th I think that's the key. Uh, I think that natural curiosity and compassion, and and being willing to not be the expert, um, really helps. That that bridges the gap. I think in so many cases, so effectively. But, and, well, let me say this too. I think there's there's got to be a natural disposition that that wants that, right? That that you you've got some natural talents and skills, maybe even God-given gifts that, that, that motivate you and a disposition that allows you to connect with kids. I think, you know, that's critically important for somebody who kind of uh, wants to work with kids, to be sure. Dr. Albright, I'm going to go a little bit off uh, script here because something just, just popped in my mind. Um, and I'll kind of lead that into our second question. But first of all, why did you get in or why did you want to become involved with this population? Um, I, I know for me, there's a passion of this population just because I love coaching. I love, I love mentoring. So, and I'm a father uh, of two. So there's a lot that, 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 that drives me towards this population, but I'm just curious of, of kind of what, uh, what desired you to, to take this kind of path. And, and then along those same lines, kind of maybe what are some, some lessons learned that you may want to share uh, from your counseling experience and maybe even some mistakes or failures or embarrassing moments or your successes too, because those are just as important. So kind of a two part question there, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think I have a, a kind of a strange undergraduate degree for somebody in my field. Uh, my undergraduate degree from Penn State was recreation and park management. And I spent a number of years working um, in a residential treatment facilities running the recreation program for kids who had been adjudicated, uh, gotten in trouble and, and been sent there. And, uh, you know, I, I think we had some fun with those kids, uh, but, but more, more good things were happening, but I wasn't really sure. I was doing recreation therapy, but, but I, I don't know how therapeutic it was. Uh, I wasn't doing it intentional enough. I simply didn't have the background in training that something like a psychology degree would have prepared me better for that. And so it absolutely stirred my heart into, no, I need to continue on and, and secure a master's degree and then eventually a PhD because I loved working with those kids. That's kind of the foundation for me in my early 20s of doing that work with those guys. Um, yeah. So I, I think I have a natural kind of disposition and a natural motivation to work with kids and, and, and wanting to make a difference. And, I, I, and I've been able to, I think, be part of, the, of change. And I'll get to that in a minute. But let me start with mistakes. You asked about mistakes. I make lots of them, <laughs> but I think that some of my worst mistakes over the past 25 years of working with kids have created such important growing and learning experiences. I've certainly had clients and students who didn't experience the success they set out for or accomplish the goals that we had set together. 
Are those failures? I don't know that I feel comfortable calling them that. Maybe they or I or both of us experience success by learning what doesn't work. Or perhaps there were other benefits to our connection that just weren't anticipated. I think sometimes we get to harvest the crop. Sometimes we plant seeds. And sometimes we're just tilling the soil for the good work yet to come with kids, perhaps working with someone else in the future. I am still learning to be content with whatever role God would have me play in my work with kids and students and clients. Best practices or successes. Let me get to that though. And I mentioned this a little bit. I think counselors who are intrinsically drawn towards developing meaningful connections with kids are typically the most successful and effective. Research in my experience certainly supports the idea that there's no more important therapeutic benefit than therapeutic alliance. We mentioned that already. When counselors make authentic connections with kids and vice versa, good things typically happen. Kids learn, kids grow, kids think more clearly and make better choices. In my experience, it all boils down to and comes back to the importance of the therapeutic alliance. I I think maybe many of us, you mentioned coaching a minute ago, uh, and I think maybe we can all relate to some extent how important it is to know that you have someone in your corner when you're feeling under attack and going through something difficult, or even when you're challenged to learn something new. The best youth counselors are in their kids' corners, rooting for them, encouraging them, grieving with them, and offering their expertise along with their unique and seasoned perspectives. Over the course of my 25 years working with kids, I am blessed to have been able to be used by God to help kids have some success achieving their goals. But this is first and foremost their success. It's their win. The best counselors in my experience, whether they're counseling adults or they're counseling kids, don't take too much credit for their client success, nor do they own too much blame when things don't go according to plan. You know, the the coaching thing is kind of ringing in my head a bit, and I'm glad we kind of circled back to that because one of my favorite theorists, she talks about, she's I guess she would be kind of like a self-psychology you know, the psychodynamic piece there about the the early caregivers. But she also talks about the role not only of parents as caregivers, but also teachers and coaches. And in my own life, I mean, my cross-country coach in high school is probably the most influential male figure in my life uh, at that time. And certainly uh, eclipsed all the other years, you know, my father leaving uh, when I was little, like he became that figure for me. And to this day, you know, I'm 37 now, and there are many lessons that I continue to employ on a daily basis as a man, as a follower of Christ, as a husband, as a father, because of that cross-country coach. Um, I wonder, too, Dr. Albright, if if the role of the counselor can also kind of become, in a therapeutic way, uh, a caregiver, to some of these kids that come in, if that's been your experience, just, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, absolutely. I, I think research supports the idea that um, the secure attachment that, that a client or a kid um, secures, <coughs> secures has with a, a counselor can, can take the place. It can kind of help make up the gap um, from maybe an attachment that's unhealthy or lacking at home. Uh, so we can be uh, significant. You look at the 40 developmental assets. Oh, the benefits that we can provide as counselors or therapists are, are strewn all throughout those 40 developmental assets um, from the positive youth development research. So yes, absolutely. Uh, we, we, important piece uh, to, to helping kids grow. 
And, and let me say this too. You mentioned kind of the importance of coaching. Yeah, I have got some of those coaches in my background too. And so when I was a school counselor for years, I was at the same time a wrestling coach and a football coach. And I love that kind of combination, being able to kind of meet with kids and, and parents in the community and, and kind of connect in, in different ways outside of kind of the counseling office setting. Uh, which I think kind of maybe stresses the importance of uh, if your school counselor is being involved in other things, um, whether that's coaching or whether that's, uh, you know, being part of the art club or the music club or right, you're just getting to know kids on a different level. Or, or maybe it's a uh, school counselor or, or therapist. Maybe it's um, being involved in your local church. Right. Maybe it's being involved with the youth group at your local church. I think those things make a big difference and, and they're important, whether they're, they go kind of in combination with your role as a therapist or if they're kind of standalone uh, opportunities for you to make an impact on kids' lives. Dr. Albright, that's uh, all really good stuff. Uh, one of the things, I mean, if you just look at the last 20 years, um, society has changed. Kids have changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think now uh, just with the technology, the kids have the, the always being connected, always being plugged in. There's, there's no time for real escape. I mean, that's one factor. I think of gender issues that are more prevalent today than, than, than ever before in the last probably 20 years. You know, we're seeing some changes in societal norms. Um, kind of talk a little bit about that in terms of what you've seen in, in your experience over the years, how those trends and changes have impacted you and, and dealing with your clients. And then just, again, maybe some, some comments on some of those hot button social issues or norms that I'm sure you're dealing with on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. I think uh, I'll go right to kind of where you started is that this current generation has never known a world without the Internet and social media. (laughs) And I I think research tells us and maybe our own experience tells us that there are some positives to online connections, to be sure. But I am of the opinion that ultimately social media is causing kids more harm than it's doing good. And I think research is supporting that at this point. Secondly, the number of kids seeking support for mental illness has risen considerably over the past 20 years, particularly but not limited to depression and anxiety. And evidence seems to indicate there's less stigma associated with counseling and mental health than in the past, but that doesn't fully account for how dramatically the numbers are rising of the kids who are in need of securing mental health and counseling support. So at the same time as all this is occurring, our country and our younger generations uh, in particular have become less and less connected to church and or any organized religion. A larger percentage of kids are growing up with apathy towards spiritual matters or even antagonistic views towards God. And this has for many kids se- uh, severely removed uh, critically important resiliency factors associated with spir- spirituality and organized religion. Factors like hope, expectancy, forgiveness, community support, (laughs) and all of these issues, social media, mental illness, and the pulling away from the church have been exacerbated by the COVID crisis over the past two years. They've all just gotten worse. Right now, there are not enough counselors to meet the need. Luke 2 verse 10 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that is absolutely true all over our country right now, in our schools, our communities, our counseling nonprofits and agencies, without a doubt. Yeah, you mentioned gender identity. Let me just talk about that for a minute. I think in my experience, teenagers hyper-focus on gender identity and sexual identity. And I think they do that for a number of reasons. Now, first and 
most obviously kids during the, they're in the midst of significant physical and neurological chemical and structural changes to the brain as they move through the teenage years but secondly and i think importantly media and social media sells sexuality and social media is how and where teens spend their time with fewer kids coming from a religious background at home like we just mentioned they have been somewhat indoctrinated by society to consider their gender identity sexual or reproductive choices as health or social decisions, not moral decisions, which can impact their spiritual health and relationship with God. I think that counselors who work with kids and teenagers are in a unique and powerful position to help kids expand their identity beyond gender and sexuality. Counselors can help kids think about who they are in regards to their personality type, their learning style. You mentioned a few minutes ago, their love language or their vocational direction, just to name a few. I see more value to that than by joining with teenagers by hyper-focusing on their gender, on their sexual identity. Gosh, that's so good. I mean, Dr. Albright, you're very precise, <laughs> uh, which is helpful because it's such a wobbly uh, space. And I use that word in particular because that's kind of become a phrase that we've been using on the podcast uh, that we picked up from Dr. Tyree. Like, <sighs> it's helpful to hear that from you. Uh, in your experience. And and maybe if we could, just to kind of round out this question, like, all right, we don't want to hyper-focus, but we also want to meet them where they are. And and perhaps there's a values conflict too, you know, especially as, as Christian men, and, uh, and we've had an episode already about gender identities and different models of approaching that. But I mean, how do you meet them where they're at without necessarily supporting what they maybe want to do, but then supporting them as a counselor, but then also not underplaying the experience that they're going through. Well, Carl Rogers tells us to have unconditional love and positive regard for kids. And, and in fact, I think way before Carl Rogers, Christ told us to do the same thing. In fact, he, it's what he gives to us is agape, unconditional love. Every day, every morning I wake up, I'm blessed with the agape love of Jesus. And I hope I can pay that forward a little bit when I'm working with kids. And I just meet them where they're at. I love them unconditionally. Um, And kids are growing. They're changing. So sometimes it might be my role and responsibility to do some confrontation with them um, if the setting allows and it is ethically appropriate to do so. In other cases, I might be back to tilling the soil. So my interactions with them, of of loving them and and caring for them, uh, maybe just modeling for them. Uh, who I am, right? And the relationships that I have with uh, the other counselors I work with, the teachers in my building, or my wife at home, uh, that, that I model some of that. And I find intentional ways to self-disclose in order to, to do so. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely tricky. And I, I, I don't mean to be too kind of general in this response, but, but it's challenging, I think, to be sure. But again, for me, when I find myself stuck in those difficult situations, I try to back up to... Uh, yeah, what's the saying? What would Jesus do? How, how do I, how, how do I act in a responsible way towards my faith? Um, yeah, and and model and, and just love kids and worry about sometimes worry about them and their choices. That that for me is always a great way to 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 do a confrontation if and when it's it's helpful. Is I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this decision and 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 what might happen. Um, so help me understand what's going on. Uh, that, 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 I think, is a nice way to, to do a confrontation, but also express love and care at the same time. 
Yeah, that, that's that's so important that we that we do meet them where they are. And, you know, the, having two teenagers, I know the kind of the bad rap that kids of this generation tend to get. Um, I'm sure I have, have labeled them once or twice in my own life. Um, but the, the kids today have, have a completely different dynamic than than I did and you did growing up. I mean, the world is different. And, and I think it's always tended to go into a negative space when we're describing the kids today. So not only dealing with their own stuff, but I think they're they're dealing with maybe this stigma, cultural stigma that, you know, they're, they're a wasted generation or they're wasting their lives or whatever it may be. As we wrap up today, can you just share with us maybe some hope of what you're seeing from the kids and teens? I mean, whether it's resiliency, whether there's a determination, whether there's a creativity, kind of what are you seeing in this generation? And it's like, okay, you know, it's not all, it's all no doom and gloom, you know, like, like we tend to make it out to be some, there are some positives. Like I'm sure that you've seen that if you could just share that with us. Yeah, absolutely. It, well, you mentioned that kids are amazingly resilient and it's certainly that that's true for this generation, but it's true for, it's been true for many generations that kids are tough. That they get tough uh, despite really tough circumstances, to be sure. And the cool thing is that we can, we can as counselors and therapists, be part of helping them be tough, without a doubt. Uh, I think kids in this generation are, are they have and they express altruism uh, pretty significantly. Uh, so they want to make a difference in the world. They want to make a change. Now it gets tricky where, where the values come from and the kind of changes they want to make, but they want to make a difference. They, have, they are energized and motivated by making things better, uh, sometimes perhaps misguided, <laughs> uh, but, but, but they have a heart for, for wanting to make things better for, for other people. And uh, I think we can tap into that when we work with kids, uh, to be sure. Yeah. Dr. Albright, I just... Earlier, you had said something that really struck me. And um, just to frame this, my last day is December 17th. I'm, you know, I'm so close. And kind of looking back at the program, uh, I think one thing that I haven't heard enough, even though I know this is true, but I think it's important for it to be reinforced. And you, you nailed it already is um, just this idea of loving our clients. And yeah, I think we all know that as Christians. And I appreciate you know, my education here is, has made up for, you know, okay, we know already that. So let's get the clinical, scientific, ethical yes. education. I'm really grateful for that. You know, but at the end of the day, like sometimes I just need to hear a professor say, hey, don't forget to love the person in front of you, you know? Mm. And so I'm just really grateful to hear that uh, from you and to hear that from you as a man who's a counselor, you know, I just, I, I needed to hear that uh, as I kind of finished my time here. So yeah, thanks for that. And thanks for being with us today and just sharing your wisdom and, and, and the preparation you put into this is very evident. And I think it's, it's going to be really helpful, um, you know, for us, uh, and hopefully for our listeners too. So thanks for that. You're very welcome. Absolutely. My, my pleasure. And thanks to you guys for doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I second that, um, more so th thanks to you than what we're doing. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm surprised we made it a year, Dr. Albright, to be honest with you. So <laughs> I'll just, I'm just teasing. Uh, thank you again for you taking the time. You know, I think that's one of the most humbling things every episode is that these professors, faculty, professionals are willing to invest not only into us, but our listeners. 
And that's quite humbling. We know that you guys have busy schedules and stuff like that. So thanks for taking the time today and just sharing with us on a very, very important demographic and a much needed, like you said, uh, there's, there's a lot of need for kids today and the doors open because some of that stigma has been reduced. So it's an opportunity that we have and hopefully we can, we can change. We can make some change, make some impact. That's what we're there for. So thank you for sharing a lot of uh, what you shared today. Yeah. Again, my pleasure. Thank you guys. Yeah. And Jeff, happy birthday. I will s- save our <laughs> listeners the, the the misery of, of me not singing happy birthday to you um, because that would be really bad. Thanks. But happy birthday. Uh, thank you for a wonderful year of our podcast. It's been a, a wonderful joy and, and we got more to come. Yep. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of made the isolation a lot less intense, you know? Yeah. And you and I yeah. formed real friendship through this, which yeah, is a big, absolutely. big gift, big takeaway. And I hope, I hope our listeners kind of feel the same way, you know, that they, they have experienced this ride and this journey with us because it's been pretty, a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Amen. So listeners, thank you, because if you're not listening, we're probably not doing this. So you guys make it make it worth us doing. So uh, we hope that you guys get a, get something out of it, a laugh, a cry, a little nugget of wisdom. Uh, if we get that, we've done our job. So thank you guys for hanging with us for the past year and more to come. I hope everybody has a wonderful day and God bless.